Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Thank you, Gabe. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you here. I know a few people are on vacation, not able to make it, but you guys are here. Wonderful to see you. We are continuing our series entitled Friends, which is going through the first epistle of John. And I've mentioned this before, that John at this time is an old man. He's got gray hair. It's at the end of his life. After the writing of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he's actually going to pass away shortly after these letters were written. And so he is really laying out the things that are important to him. We've talked about how the total vocabulary words that are used in the New Testament are just over 5,400 and something. But in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, there are only 303 vocabulary words used because he is being repetitive and he's really hammering home the things that are important to him. And, and so we are looking at this, and this book is not about how to get forgiveness with God. This book is about how to have friendship with God, and that's why the series is entitled Friends because it's involving ourselves in a very personal way. Every third verse that is happening in this book has to do with love in some way or another. And so it is meant to draw us into this dynamic relationship with God as actually being friends with Jesus talked about. And so turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, we're just going to look at Verses 15 to 17 right now. And John writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. 
want to do a, a little survey here to find out just how our lives work together. Is, has anyone here been married, say, under the age of 25 they got married? Okay. Wow, a lot of you got married young. Okay. Including my wife. I was 25 when I got married. How about under the age of 30? Well, I guess that's still. 30, you know, if you weren't in the first group. How about 40? 50? Any? Okay. 60? Okay, sorry, I don't want to leave anyone out. 100? No, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting what happens when you get married, especially if you're younger. Because you're used to kind of running with your pack, and then all of a sudden you have a wife or a husband. Same thing happens when you have kids or you're pregnant, those of you who are pregnant. You find that life changes, and all of a sudden your relationships change, right? We always do kind of premarital counseling to try and help couples get together, but no one ever does the kind of friendship counseling, like what's going to happen to you, your friends after you get married? right? And so I can remember there, you know, be times where you're married and then your friends call and say, hey, you want to go to the movies? Or hey, you want to do something and you go out and do it? And they call again and, you know, your friends call and say, hey, do you want to go to the movies? And you tell your wife, hey, um, you know, Joe asked me to go to the movies. And she says, are you going to go to the movies again? <laughs> and it's not a question, Right? <laughs> Oh, you wives and your rhetoricals, you know. <laughs> Are you going to go to the movie again? And all of a sudden you realize, oh, hey, Joe, yeah, I can't, I can't go. Yeah, wife's throwing some looks at me right now. I better, I, I better call it quits right now. Or when you have kids, remember, we used to be able to, at the spur of the moment, you want to go see a movie? Yeah, let's go. And then, of course, we had twins, so we couldn't do anything after that. You know, it was like we were confined to quarters, and it was like, oh, we're going to go to the show. That was so nice when we get to go out, or even to dinner. Gosh, man, some of those times where we tried to go out to dinner with two babies, and it was just like we would weep and say, what happened to the life we knew, you know, the way we were? It, it, it all changes with those relationships. When those relationships change because of the change in your life, it forces you to a new area of life. And that's just how it is. It's how we're supposed to do life. And you see, John is telling us that this friendship with Jesus is forever going to change our relationship with the world and the culture that we live in. It's going to have a dramatic effect on the life that we live and where we live it, how we do life, how we interact with life, how we embrace things, our entertainment, our hobbies, what we look at, what we engage in, what we invest in, what we do with our money. All those things are affected by this new relationship that we have with God through Jesus. And he's helping us to understand that this relationship is supposed to have new boundaries. It's supposed to have new restrictions as well as new freedoms. And so 
as we start moving into this, up to now, John has been talking about how God loves us and how we are to love each other. But now he's very direct and he says, do not love, right? He's not pulling any punches. He's not saying, hey, you guys, you know, be careful hanging out with the world. He just says, do not love the world. Strong words. And we tend to think of this always in the negative and not the positive. And I think John really meant it to be positive. You see, I don't think John is saying the world is the big bad wolf and you need to beware of it. And so you have to really be concerned with, let's say, secular music and what it's going to do to your mind. You guys don't know this, many of you, but some of you do. I know some of you know this. Back in the day, the church had this big campaign on backward masking of rock and roll music. Anyone remember that? Oh, man. Like, because that's what God is interested in, is what happens when you play Stairway to Heaven backwards. John is not talking about do not love the world. Do not listen to Stairway to Heaven backwards. What it's going to do to your mind. I used to get so frustrated when these guys would come into the church and they'd make these big presentations and I would think, seriously, this is what we have to worry about? And I'd voice my thoughts because I always have, but it was a big deal. See, John's not worried about those kinds of things. And the word that's used here is the word cosmos. Literally, it means the universe. It means the earth. It could mean the things that we see tangibly, trees and those kinds of things. But you see, John is not telling us not to love the universe or not to love trees because These same words were actually used in John's gospel when he said, God so loved the world. The same word cosmos is used there. The same word for love, agape, is used there. And so it's not about the people and it's not about the things. God is not saying, do not love the Dodgers. The angels, maybe. No, he's saying, (laughs) do not love trees or do not love cars. Or do not love dogs. Do not love puppies. They will steal your heart from God. Okay? (laughs) He is not talking about things like that in general. He's talking more in a moral sense than in a literal sense. And, And really what I believe is he's going to tell us that the world will not be able to deliver the satisfaction we desire his motivation isn't because you have to keep up appearances or you have to you know stay in this holy line of living as much as it is if you give yourself to these illusions that they're going to hurt us and he doesn't want us to be hurt so what is this word world cosmos mean How can we look at this and kind of move forward? And an attitude or description we could say is the world is an attitude or outlook that is absent or removed from God. 
It's not shaped by an awareness of God's existence. In other words, who God is has nothing to do with how this is thinking. He's absent from this. Do not associate to the possessions or things around us with this attitude that God is absent from. So anything can be looked at in this way, and it really depends on us and how we look at these things. See, there's nothing wrong with things. What's wrong is how we view things or depend on things or care about things. There is nothing wrong with money, but Jesus said the love of money is the root of the evil. Not the money, it's the love of those things. That love is something that we give ourselves to. When you love something, you will give yourself to those things. And so what if you love things that are absent from the awareness of God? What's happening is you're giving yourself to something that is not going to satisfy you, that is going to actually cause harm to you. Because that's what it contains by itself, naturally. So anything can be looked at in this way. And, and notice he says, the love of the Father, not love for the Father. And, and what he's doing is saying, in reality, an understanding of God's love for you, if that isn't present, if this is not awareness that is taking place in whatever it is we are giving ourselves to, whatever we fall in love with, an idea, a philosophy, an object, even a person that has an absence of God's involvement in it, then it's going to be hollow. It's going to be, in a sense, artificial. It's going to be empty, and it will not deliver what is necessary for our lives. And it's important that we see that what John is trying to tell us is there are things that you will give yourself to that will just take and never give back. Notice in verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches comes not from the father, but from the world. I love Eugene's Peterson's message translation. It says, practically everything that goes on in the world, this world that we've been talking about that is distant from God, removed from this thinking of God's involvement, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. And so this is what he's getting to. He's getting to this place where you're wanting and you're wanting and it's separating you from what is really important and that is God. It's interesting that he moves from this idea of calling him even God like he did in verses 5 and 14 to now it says your father because he's wanting to bring in the idea of the relationship. These verses have more to do with the relationship to your father than they do with the world. And so that's why I say it's not a negative. It's really to help bring a positive insight into what is happening. 
It's not that you need to stop these things and, and get rid of these things in your life. It's that if you invest in these things, you won't invest in the things that really bring about the dividend, really bring about the reward, that you will be throwing your money away. Like when you have kids. <laughs> and you give, and you give, and you give, and they take, and they take, and they take. And you wait, someday, <laughs> they'll come around, right? They'll be doctors and lawyers and support me when I die. Not necessarily. And, and so here he's getting us to understand the transition is about the relationship with God as our father. And I started thinking about what is the role of a father? See, I never had really a biological father that was consistent in my life. And so I know that there is this kind of hole that was there, this example. And you think a, a father is there to, to, to provide support, to provide identity, to provide security, to be able to have that kind of stability. And I remember one time when my mom married uh, stepfather that I had that I was so excited the idea of having a father it's like yes I just wanted the idea I didn't know if he'd be a good father or a bad father but I just wanted the idea of a father and it was something that I looked forward to because it's supposed to have that kind of security when I went to the city had something with the police department and trying to deal with the, the relationships between the ethnic groups and the police department, there was uh, Dr. Woods, who was a cha uh, chaplain from the Claremont Colleges, and he spoke about the absence of fathers being a key to the problem in some of the communities. And if we don't resolve what is causing this problem, we are not going to get rid of the problem. The absence of fathers starts giving way to the collapse of security in so many things. And so when you start thinking of this idea of a father, if you don't have security, the love of a father, then you spend your life looking for it. And so how many young girls did not have the love of a father and they sought love and were used by someone because they wanted love, but it wasn't there for them. And, and you see, if we don't have that security, we want it. Just like I wanted the idea of a father and all that brought into it. I wanted that security. I wanted that to be a part of my life. There is a wanting that takes place in our lives with an absence of a dad, it leaves that emptiness in so many ways. And that's really what John is kind of pushing towards. In verse 17 in the Message Bible, again, it says, The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. What are you spending your days wanting 
what are the things that you desire most? Because those things are shaping you. They are things that you are moving towards. They are things that you are giving yourselves to. And this idea of wanting, 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 but never being satisfied. Does that describe you? You see, maybe it's the status. I, I, I want the home. I want the job. I want the approval of people. I want people to see that I'm successful. And so I'm going to give myself to the image of what that looks like. I want people to think I have it together. And so you give to that and you give to that, but it doesn't give back. It doesn't give what you need. See, John had a front row seat to what it looked like to desire what God wants for your life. And that was in Jesus Right, for three years, he walked with Jesus. Every morning, he got up where Jesus went, he went. And you know that the 12 disciples, they were with Jesus, and Jesus would get up and they'd say, hey, Jesus, are we going to go over here? I think it would be great. We could really publicize what you're doing. You really need some good PR, Jesus. Not enough people are following you. We know who you are, but they don't know who you are. Let's go over here. And Jesus says, no, let's go through Samaria. And they go, Samaria? No, Jesus, that's not where good Jewish people go. Let's not, and Jesus would go through Samaria. And John would get up and say, why is Jesus going here? Why doesn't Jesus go there? Or he says, oh, we need to go to Jerusalem. They're trying to kill you there. Don't go there. Well, I guess we'll go and die with him. Why are you doing these things? And you see, Jesus never had this idea of insecurity. And so John got a front row seat to see what it was like to have someone who was completely secure in their relationship with God and the people around him and follow him even though it looked like it led him to bad places or dangerous places. And Jesus went there and John saw amazing things happen when a person gave themselves fully to the desires of God and not just giving to the desires that others wanted for him. And so Grandpa John is writing and saying, you guys, I'm telling you, this is the way you want to live. This is what is going to amount to satisfaction for you. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 14 to 17, I'll read it. We have an instance where Jesus is beginning his ministry. And John the Baptist would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And, and so here we see that the heavens were open to him, that the spirit descended on him and the father was pleased with him. 
This enabled Jesus to live this life in harmony with his father, not being distracted by what everyone else thought or what everyone else wanted or what everyone else said. I have the heavens open to me, the spirit upon me, and the father is pleased with me. What do you want besides that? What else do you want? If he knew that that was the case, what else would you desire? And you see, what was true for Jesus is true for you who believe in Jesus. The same spirit that rose him from the dead has given life to you. As he is, so are you in this world. The Father was pleased to give you the kingdom. You see, this is supposed to be our identity. The heavens are open to you. The Spirit rests upon you, and the Father is pleased with you. What do you want? Is that enough? Or do you want something else? I really would like that car. Because that car will satisfy the need. Don't you understand if you love the things of this world, then the love of the Father isn't in you. In other words, you are giving yourself to something other than the one who has given himself to you. His love isn't in you if your love is filled with all the desire and want for things and things and status. Then you're missing out on what can bring healing to you. Do you want those things? Do you want to spend your life wanting and wanting and wanting? John is trying to warn us that if you give yourself to these things, it is empty and you will never find what you're looking for. And and it echoes Jesus' words. In Matthew 16, 26, where he says, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What does it profit you if you gain all these things, the things that you desire with your eyes, the the status that you want? What happens if you gain all those things but you lose what is most important? that relationship with God. What happens to you? Or what will you give in exchange for those things? And you see, John is wanting us to recognize as he's in his old age and he's giving these last words and he says, do not love the world or all these things that are in the world. Because if you give yourself and you give yourself to these desires, they are going to cut the relationship and the love of God that wants to be there instead. In other words, you're replacing the love of God with the love of whatever else. And whatever else is going to leave you hollow. Now, what happens if You have the love of God. And with that awareness, you have a nice car. 
Now the car doesn't mean anything. It's just a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having nice cars. Took one of my grandkids in my truck the other day, and she started laughing because the windows are the kind that you still crank, right? She's like, what is this? Like, what do you mean, like, what is this? It's like, she's never seen one of those. Like, what is this? She started laughing at me because I had a hand crank window. See, there's nothing wrong with having automatic windows. That's great. But if I'm like, man, I need that car with automatic windows. Because once I get that, my granddaughter stopped laughing at me. See, there's nothing wrong with the things. Or I want that job. Nothing wrong with the job. There's nothing wrong with the house. There's nothing wrong with the career. There's nothing wrong with the relationships. What's wrong is when your investment is in those with the absence of the awareness of God being a part of your life overall. And that's what John is warning us about. Because what happens so many times is we don't realize what is available to us. And so we want the things that we think will satisfy us when the kingdom itself has been made open to us. That the heavens are open to you. That the Spirit is there for you. And that the Father can be pleased with you. What else do you want? And can you take those things and move forward in your life with that awareness, with that understanding Because then it doesn't matter if you lose the car, if you lose the job, if the illness comes, you have substance that cannot be taken away. You see, the one who loves and wants and desires these things, eventually they're going to be taken away. But the one who does what God wants, that lasts forever. And what he's talking about isn't that just goes on and on and on. He's saying that that is stability. That is foundation for life. That is what you build on. Anything else is sand. And I so many times want things and invest myself in things that do not last. There's so many times I have to come back and look at this passage and say, oh man, I've really been pursuing this without an awareness of God and it's taken my focus and it's taken my heart and it's taken my desires and pretty soon I am living for this thing. And it could be the church, by the way. Man, I'm living for Genesis. Now, I love this community. I love it. I'm giving myself to this, but if I give myself to this without giving myself to God, this is going to let me down. One Sunday, you guys aren't going to show up. I'm going to be bummed. But if my trust and want and desire is in God, then this is just part of that desire. It's not separated from See what I'm saying? It really has to do with the relationship. And again, this is what John is getting at. It's not about forgiveness. It's about friendship. Because what happens to 
that husband who goes out with his friends all the time. It sacrifices his marriage. What happens to that couple who have kids but act as if they don't, right? Hey, where are your kids? Uh, they're back with mom. Weren't they with mom yesterday? Yeah. And weren't they with grandma the day before? Yeah. Do they know your name? You know, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, I just want to live my life as if I didn't have kids. What's going to happen? You are not going to have a relationship with your kids. Your kids are going to suffer. That relationship is going to suffer. What happens if we live that way with our God? That friendship is going to suffer. And our lives will suffer because of it. Let's pray. Lord, these are just a few verses, but they are so powerful. Lord, we have to be reminded that what we love is what matters. And Jesus, that is why you told us that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, so many times what we love are the things that we think will satisfy us. We love things we can buy. We, we think that buying more things will bring us satisfaction, and it doesn't. We think that having that status, that home, that car, that job will bring us satisfaction, and it doesn't. We think that having that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that relationship is going to satisfy our lives, and then when it doesn't, Lord, we are left broken and lonely. And Father, none of those things in and of themselves are wrong. What is wrong is not having first the awareness of you as being a part of all things. Lord, allowing you to be as close a friend as you were to John. That we would get up and, and ask, Lord, what are we doing today? That we'd have a decision and we'd say, Lord, how is this decision going to affect us? How is this relationship going to affect us? Lord, what do you want to do with this? How can my life be useful for your purposes? And put our desires in you because you really care. The world, the things of this world, they will use us and leave us abused. But you were abused for us because you love. May we invest wisely. May you learn to love what lasts. May you recognize that those who give themselves to what God wants are set for eternity. May you find satisfaction God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast.
we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.